Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Bull City Coordinators Duke Football Coverage Podcast. You can listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts. Check us out, bullcitycoordinators.com. Send us an email, bullcitycoordinators at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at DukeFBCoverage, where the DMs are open. Now, uh, our next guest, uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of get into this. There's a little bit of a backstory here. Okay. One day I was not long after Mike Elko announced he was leaving to go back to Texas A&M. I was, I opened up Instagram, which may have been my first mistake. And I saw a, an Instagram story and there was somebody that I've seen a lot on TV and she was smiling ear to ear. looked like she was having a great time talking about covering Elka, what turned out to be Elka's last game in Durham for the ACC network. And then it all clicked together how it happened because I hadn't had a chance to talk to Steve yet, Steve Weissman yet, and figure out really what the story was. So, <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself, now it all makes sense because nobody could figure out why did Elko leave suddenly. None of it made sense. Definitely and, not the money. Correct. Correct. Nobody, nobody could really put two and two together on why all of a sudden he left to go to a, a, a job that he was obviously not. Some commerce for. school? Right, right. <laughs> so who wants to go to a place where they say howdy all the time? So I I see in there, in, in this Instagram story, the most recognized, noticeable, famous Tar Heel ever. Uh, none of them are known for athletics uh, as far as, you know, actual sports performances in games on, on the gridiron or basketball, none, and not one, not a single one. And I see like the most famous Tar Heel there smiling happily. And it just clicks together. This is what happened. Carolina was worried because Elko had made these, these games close the battle for the victory belt close. So they send in our next guest to sabotage the, try and sabotage the blue devil program. Uh, and that's how this this next interview came about. Uh, is I reached out to to the reporter about this to try to get some details on this, some confirmation. And that's how now I am interviewing Marilyn Payne, who we all know uh, is a reporter for the ACC Network and for ESPN. Marilyn Payne, how are you? I am great. I think you pretty much covered it there. Um, the, ba- the the continued backstory. I, I he. he um... Ben made the joke um, about, obviously I was sent in to sabotage the, I mean, rapid ascent of the Duke football program. And I re- replied, you know, you really ought to do some research. <laughs> they sent me actually at the bowl game last year, didn't get the job done. Right, uh, tough, you- tough look. I, I okay. couldn't close the deal. I couldn't close the deal at, at Marine Corps Stadium last okay. year. But alternatively, you also said you covered the ACC championship game, right? Ten years ago. And who won that game? One Duke. Florida State. State, right. So uh, people that y'all can pick fights with, Duke fans, if you've got a real problem with me. Uh, it's not a short list, actually. Um, I graduated from North Carolina in 2013, and I freelanced for the Rivals.com North Carolina site covering the College World Series because the Tar Heels were out in Omaha that year. And shortly thereafter, it's like a friend of a friend, Lauren Brownlow, I'm sure many of y'all are familiar with, had said that the Duke site, the Duke Rivals counterpart, needed someone to help cover Tuesday press conferences covering Duke football. As a student, I'd interned with ABC 11, so I'd actually already covered a game at Cameron Indoor, and I'd covered some Duke before, um, but one of my very first paid jobs right out of school was covering Duke football, and, and yes, that team that ended up in the 2013 Um, ACC football championship game. I covered the North Carolina at Duke football game in 2012 as a senior for the Daily Tar Heel, where before the field looked like what it does now, students rushed the field. Duke was bowl eligible for the first time since I believe the 60s. It was a really long time. Not now. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) So it's cool because I got to see Duke football I mean, if you've ever met David Cutcliffe, people, everything you've ever heard said about the man is so true. Um, And so my first one-on-one interview with a head coach was as an intern for ABC 11 at Duke's bowl game in uh, in 2012 uh, down in Charlotte where they played Cincinnati. They got, 
you know, rough kind of a couple of deals there when they've re-entered the postseason the first time around a decade ago. Um, this season, obviously, when Mike Alko um, came in and took over and took Duke right back to a bowl game last year, things went much better. So arguments could be made, really, if you stop and think about it, that I'm I'm responsible for some of the ascension, too. I, I'm not going to dispute that. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. No, but and then because no. then I covered Duke also for like four seasons with WRL from 2015 to 18 as well. So it's like, I know, I know the Duke football program uh, as much as probably any other in the ACC, truth be told. Here's here's two things. I do want to say t- two things, though, you mentioned. Lauren Brownlow uh, was a guest on this podcast. I need to yeah. reach back out to her. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm loving the Young Gun podcast. Um I stopped for a while because I just couldn't take more misery from the Panthers. I, I just needed to stop, but it's a I great podcast. Here's my thing. If Lauren Brownlow touches it, everybody should watch, read, listen. Um, I, I, I'm not a pan. I, I don't care about the Panthers and not because I'm apathetic because they've gotten bad. I've just never been a Panthers fan. So misery that I have evaded, I guess it turns out. <laughs> well, um, you mentioned the belt bowl. I was at that game. Me, my dad, my brother, my uncle, uh, my aunt, we were there. That was like the coldest day probably in <laughs> Charlotte history. And we were up, we were up way up high. Okay. Uh, and I can't remember who it was. We thought went over the end zone towards the end of the game and actually he fumbled. And it just, and then Kelsey becomes Travis Kelsey. And, you know, it took no, till I think it makes the loss look a little bit better. <laughs> 11, 10 seasons, eight seasons later. Yeah. So here's the thing. I enjoy this because, because this back and forth that we're having and, and granted, I, I, you, I knew, admit, you knew you had a good guess when I came in with a commerce school. I agree. I agree. I, I totally agree. <laughs> I, so I have a theory and we can talk a little bit about, I want to talk get your thoughts on Manny Diaz, but before we get to that, I think we should talk about how FSU got snubbed because I think it's significant for a couple yeah. of reasons. I mean, One, listen, he's a Florida State grad. Y'all got to hop on board if you're not already. I'm I the the Manny Mania, Buenos Diaz, whatever they're saying, I'm with it. Okay, so many options. I know, I know, but but here's the thing. So we're having this back and forth, and I'll admit I, I'm going to scale back my Carolina talk and football no, because I mean, go for it. we can no do no it. no. No, no, here's why. Here's why. I mean, y'all have won five straight. I mean, I can't – what can I say? You know, like, hey, remember that time we gave you a win when we did the jump pass? I mean, okay, like, <laughs> I can't – right. But the thing is, I, I realized in Florida State getting snubbed may change this. ACC teams don't have conference loyalty the way that other conferences do. And I feel like we all really just hate – our, our opponents and the other teams. Uh, have you picked up kind of on that? I mean, you've covered a lot of sports. You've been around the conference. What, what are your thoughts on that? You know what? I got to give you a ton of credit here. I can't remember having heard that said or not said, but I don't know. Uh, you know, I've never considered it that way. And I don't know that I completely disagree with you on that. And I think there are a few reasons why. One, this conference has made these divisions want to fight at one another about who had it easier or who had it nicer for so long that like there was this resentment from all the teams that had to play Clemson or this pride from all the teams that got to play Clemson for so long. And before that Florida state also obviously in the Atlantic, which just give me one moment here. I I mean, I think that that resentment, first of all, from the, the teams to its structure, was a part of it. And yes, you're right. Like, especially in North Carolina, um, I would say that that is true. I also worked in Charlottesville, Virginia for a year. And it's interesting because it's football specific that I would agree with that. In basketball, needless to say, there's conference pride, right? And I think in ACC baseball, there is some, like we don't have to get into the list of schools that Jim Phillips spends 35 minutes just to get through every fall before kickoff, right? When he lists off the accomplishments at ACC kickoff and the stature of the league when it comes to other stuff, like there is ACC pride from from every school and I think from every fan base. But when it comes to football, I think the collective frustration around lack of respect causes this 
league to maybe have that truth to it. And I think the other thing too is like, there's a little bit of self-awareness, like, right? Like whenever for so long, it was Florida State was super competitive, but Miami was super competitive. I think, you know, when Virginia Tech was really good, it, it, it was it was kind of like some of the teams that come in. I know Miami came in and then they didn't do what they were supposed to do, which is really elevate this league as a football school. Don't come at me. I know that that's the, the I know that that is the line, right? But I think it's a I think it's a couple pieces. I think it's the history of when and how schools came into this league. Um, and I think it's the structure of the league that has caused that because it's it's not because the rivalries are stronger in football. Let me be abundantly clear because, excuse me, the SEC would like a word. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State would like a word. So I don't know if we're still calling them the Big 12 or what over there. But And, and Texas in its 16 different rivalries in different directions. I learned about the A&M and LSU rivalry. I was at College Station a season ago. Like, it's not because the rivalries are stronger. I think it's because the structure of the league has not set itself up the way yet until now, I think the no divisions is the, uh, just like a plus what the heck took so long, obviously, right? I'm not alone in that. So y- yes, yes, you're right in the outcome, but I don't think it's because of the rivalries. Um, So I did sort of steal this idea from Joe Giglio, who has this concept of the irate Giglio conference. I love Joe. Right. Great Sorry, was that, was that too much? I mean, well, when you were talking about teams who whine and complain about having to play other teams. I thought he, you were he was referring... the first person that came to mind, right? Correct. I thought you were referring to state fans, honestly. You know, I mean. It's, it's, a, it's a long list. I mean, Dave Clawson right now is a much more ornery and frustrated and feeling disrespective coach from a lip service standpoint than, than Dave Doran is. Salty Dave. I like, I like salty Dave Doran, though. Listen, spicy Mike Norvell, he takes the cake. <laughs> All right. One thing I'd like to follow up on you mentioned. Yeah, let's the do an FSU of, conversation. Sorry. Well, we will. We will. But but you mentioned the lack of respect, and you mentioned Jim Phillips. One thing that a lot of fans are frustrated about is it doesn't seem like, and this is a, a long conversation that go back decades. The ACC doesn't really have a cheerleader, and I, I we all felt as fans that if Alabama had gotten snubbed or Texas had gotten st- snubbed, the Big 12 and the SEC commissioners would have been out in force on TV doing a lot of interviews. Jim put out a statement. Uh, Jim Phillips put out a statement. But, I mean, I you know, I know you do work for the ACC Network, so I, I don't want to cause any troubles for you. But is there some way he could have, like, a regular recurring segment or get, like, deputized Coach K or somebody with that stature to talk about – how well, great I, I the think ACC you, is. Did you hear what you did you hear what you just said? Yeah. You recommended that a league put a basketball retired coach out to cheerlead for its football program. So again, that is in line with the ACC. Like that's a mockery question to ask. Like no, no, if no. the ACC sent out, and I understand my like, look, I get Coach K's reach. I'm not naive to that, but that's, well, that's why that's why I brought it up. Is that's because, kind of the point? Is like right. it should be the commissioner, but. I think there are a lot of things at play. One, the SEC has a different, and this is both the point and it's the answer to the point, like they, um, the culture of that league is, is brash. It is um, arrogant. It is um in in your face like that and maybe maybe the suggestion is that the ACC should be that way more so to to let's not let's not take our losses modestly or let's not you know what I mean like like let's not take the high road maybe on Florida State the first undefeated power five conference team to get left out of a playoff after being number four and then winning with oh by the way they quarterback that they would not have played with should they have advanced to the college football playoffs like maybe Class is not the answer here. Maybe a gentle statement is not the results, but I I don't know that that is a step because there I think there are a lot of intangibles at play, and I don't think that they make it okay that Jim Phillips has taken the route he has taken. I don't I don't know. I think like I think being mad at Jim Phillips is just like where else can we put this anger that we have? 
you know what I mean? What was the issue? The, the team that should have been in the college football playoff got left out of the college football playoff. I do wonder in the longevity of the contract relationship, conference relationship and contract between the league and ESPN, like how do you toe the line of being really aggressive toward a committee that's chaired, oh, by the way, by one of your athletic directors? Um, you know what I mean? Like how hard are you gonna go? NC State's in your conference. You can't, I don't think that if you're in, if you're in Jim Phillips shoes, you don't have an easier route to go handle things the way that Greg Sankey does, given right now in this current era, who's in charge of the playoffs. Also let us all forget or not remember or whatever, pretend like it didn't happen, that the ACC joined this alliance that was literally the reason that there was not a 12 team college football playoff this season. So like, if you're Jim Phillips, you've got the self-awareness, right? Of like, how much can I really go say when the chair of the board is a, a athletic director in the conference that I am in charge of? And two, what we thought was a really good move for, I don't know, 48 hours, three weeks, whatever it turned out to be during 2020, turned out to be the partnership agreement and relationship that one of those conferences didn't pay a minute of mind to. The other conference that was involved is now defunct. And, and the, the three of us are who voted to not have a larger playoff. So like, I, I'm not just like defending Jim Phillips blindly here, but like, how do you address that? There's a lot of ownership that would have to go into handling that the right way. And it's a really hard needle to thread. I don't know that there's not a better way to do it, but I, I don't know that it's as easy as it is for other commissioners. I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes from. <laughs> It's like, all the other dumb stuff that's involved. No, well, right. It's the lead up to that. Jim Phillips is not, I wouldn't say, a popular commissioner in the ACC. The alliance, the, I looked them in the eyes. We don't need anything. I'm an attorney. What? What? No, son. Come on. And, and so when, when he's just kind of silent and not saying something, and the reason I mentioned Coach K is being the cheerleader is he had always talked about, hey, we've got to talk up the ACC. That was something he already did, always did. Sure. I mean, but, I know you're not going to like this, no, but Matt Brown's a better that's, option. He that's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say, but he's, he's coaching. A Hall of Fame football coach. I agree. If he were retired, he should be deputized. He would be the we only... Asked other him, so we asked him first week in November, because I was over there for a game. We asked him if he was interested in being in the commissioner of college football. And he was basically like, I wouldn't get near that with a 100-yard pole. Mm. Um, well, who probably disappointing to a lot of people, but you know, he, he in the sense that right, it's it's to the point of everything that's at play. It's like it's just not. Again, I'm not saying I like Jim Phillips. I as a, on a one to one basis, I have I, I think that he has done a lot of things. You know, as an old school ACC person, um, then anyone else who really wants the ACC to change, I'm apologies in advance, but like. I love, I love talking to people about um, the 17,100 things that the ACC has done that other conferences can't and don't. I don't think that simplifying everything just sit down to football is the answer. I do think football ultimately obviously has to break free from other, other sports, but for where we are right now in college athletics, we're not there yet. And so choose your battles, you know, and I don't, I'm not privy to really anything people might assume I am just because I work on college football with ESPN. But I I think that there is tact involved. Um, is the tact too much? That goes back to what I initially said, like, where do you where do you decide that class and tact and taking the high road and not not saying thing that something that goes against what you voted for 18 months ago? Like, was that the right answer? Is that the wrong answer? Um, <laughs> The responsibility is not in the ACC to respond. The responsibility is on the college football playoff committee to put Florida State in the college football playoffs. Okay. That's how I really feel. Agree, 100%. So we also agree Mac Brown should retire and become the ACC spokesperson. You've, you said that, I'm sure. If I think that's what you said. To, I think that that is, is, a, is a great, great option. Well, and the ACC needs but then, somebody. But then, but then you can't do that. People are still mad that John Swafford was the commissioner. 
as a North Carolina representative, my gosh, if we went from <laughs> one to the other, some people, some fan bases would would explode. Okay, that's fair. Here's kind of what I think is okay. he doesn't have to necessarily be the commissioner, but he needs to be the TV rep for the conference. He needs to be like an ambassador for the ACC. Because uh, oh. I don't know who else. It's It's either him. Coach K, and then who else would be on that list of people that could have the the media reach that would be necessary for the conference? I mean, here's the deal. Florida State, here's the other half. Like, if you're Jim Phillips, how hard are you going to go in the paint for a team to beg to leave you all summer? Arguably, you would you would want to go harder, right? So they'll stay. But if you're Florida State in this situation, does all your complaining feel a little bit validated and unfair? Unfortunately, probably so. But if you're Commissioner Phillips and you just went back and forth with the president of Florida, Florida State University for, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming they talked over the summer, right? When all that was going on, I would, I would think there would have been like one phone, one phone call. You know what I mean? You know what you I mean? Like, if it's and Dabo Sweeney's been like nice to you since you got there. Might look a little different. Let me let me ask you this. <laughs> and I been... just thought of that when I like kind of talked myself through it. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I just think it's like there's so many other factors in play that are specific to this scenario. Okay, let me let me follow a little bit on the issues with the committee because it wasn't just FSU. It was also SMU should have got the bowl that Liberty got and Boo Corrigan's explanation about i mean come on like oh well they just kept winning well so did florida state with backups <laughs> one of whom you know a, a, a rodemaker should have been playing but for that dirty play from florida and the the cognitive dissonance that uh, speaking of someone who's not talking much boo corgan that he engaged in to try to jedi mind trick us to understand that. So let's talk about the snubs uh, and let's just go with Florida state. Cause they're in the conference right now. You, you watch a lot of football. I'm sure you've seen that team. They're good, right? I mean, they deserve to be in. Yeah. The team is good. The D line, the linebackers, the DBs, Johnny white is an NFL wide receiver and he's the second best receiver they have. Like it's, it's it's a freaking travesty that offensive line um when we were there week two so right after they beat lsu it's a night game they've got southern miss like the o-line at that point was the o-line in the in the all of fbs college football that returned the most starts like that team is so good the issue also people we can fight if we want to fight teams florida for the dirty shot, great mention by of you. Georgia for losing. <laughs> it's yeah, Florida State got screwed. Um, I it's it is what it is. I was you know what's what do parents say. I'm 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 not surprised. I'm just disappointed. A little bit of that. Um, let me let me ask you this. So. What what do you think the narrative would have been if Alabama wins a conference championship or Georgia wins a conference championship with a third string quarterback? I don't imagine it would have been what we heard about Florida State. And um, that no, it would have been what I just said verbatim. You would have had Jordan Rogers on Sports Center talking about how Georgia has an entire NFL defense how they just set an SEC record for tackles for loss in the history of the league in a single game in their championship, how they found a way to win because of their veteran experienced, tough, physical, huge offensive line, which yes, has endured injuries, but continued on nonetheless, how they have two wide receivers, one of who is six, seven and still not the best on the team. The league's returning rusher, who exceeded this year what he did last year, even with a Heisman candidate quarterback, who no, didn't get to play thanks to an out-of-conference rival who took a dirty hit on their second-string quarterback. Now the second-string quarterback's out. Like, that's what you would have heard. And 
and you would have heard the second string quarterback will be back in time for the bowl game. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, it's frustrating because I think that that's pretty agree, agreed upon at this point, you know, um, because, you know, you wouldn't like you would you would literally probably hear somebody from and that's no shade to Jordan Roger, by the way, like I, he's fantastic to watch, really enjoy his work. Like it's it's just they would have the the lead analyst for the network, like EJ Manuel does fantastic work. He's on SportsCenter every Saturday morning um, with Kevin Connors. And I that's usually what I have on, especially when I've got a noon or a three o'clock game. And he's talking about every every quarterback in the country. He doesn't just talk ACC, but it, it's just the conversation's not the same. And here's the issue. Myself, others, all of us collectively, I think that we have been in this like little, I don't want to call it denial, but this like optimism around like, oh, look at our league record in the ACC against the SEC this season. Look at how good Florida State is. It's, you know, it's been this belief that we have shared, you know, if we can say there's no conference pride, there might be some truth to that, but the places where there's not are this. We have had a shared belief that that would not have happened to Florida State. Was that realistic? Probably not. The tough thing, and you mentioned Boo Corrigan and his back and forth. These are not his words. These are the entire committee's words. They pick and they choose from one week to the next, just based on the weight of what they're seeing which principles are held the highest there are 23 measuring sticks made that number up and they move around in terms of which one's weighted the heaviest and we thought undefeated conference champion would be weighed the heaviest we or we hoped if if you're an acc fan we we hoped that a big win against a a louisiana state university team would have mattered more than it did and it just didn't i don't know it's like i'm i'm mad and i'm sad and it's it's a bummer and and for the Knowles fans who were fantastic when i was down there i hate it and for the the structure and the stature of the league it sucks because i think that that result will have an impact greater on this league faster than anything else has ever had on a selection sunday he, I don't, here's why I attribute the words though about Liberty to Boo specifically because he could have he could have just said Liberty was undefeated, SMU was not undefeated. It was a toss up, but we went with the undefeated team. Now that would have got him in the same trouble, right? Yeah. So, however, that's why he, I say the measuring stick moves. Yeah. Like it, it but it, and it's not you know the thing is like how, how far down the list do we want to go? I made a joke on a, a post on the our ESPN College Football Instagram page whenever they posted about the lawsuit. Um, and I was like, great, should UCF get involved? And I was kidding, and people can't read sarcasm on the internet except for me and you, and that's how we're here. Um, but like, people lost it on me, and they were like, it's not the same. I was like, it's not the same. But that's the point, is like, if you go down, like Auburn, I saw Auburn fans made a joke, like, don't worry, FSU, it's happened to us too, undefeated and, you know, didn't end up in the postseason where they wanted to be in um, different eras of football, right? Like UCF was not even in the power five at that time. They just joined the Big 12 this season. But it happens to somebody every season. This year, yes, it happened to two teams. I think there was a Cincinnati team not too long ago that got gypped, maybe three seasons ago. It happens. This is the first time it's happened at this caliber and this height, but... Yeah, I, and I think it's not a perfect system, and next year it'll be differently imperfect. Well, this <laughs> is things to complain about. So this is kind of what part of the issue is, and you're seeing it unfold with how NIL is developing and impacting the portal. And I'm fine with the portal. I'm fine with NIL, but it it went from something that maybe we thought it was going to be to what it is now, uh, which is more teams finding ways to say we're going to get our boosters to put together enough but money. It was always going to be. Well, right. But here's, here's <laughs> the point, but but here's the point that I'm making is some people foresaw that, right? Some people foresaw that. And then the thing with the Alliance, the thing with not expanding it, Jim's job and the commissioner's job and Jim works for the presidents. I get that the president's jobs in part are to foresee those things, right? Like I'm a casual fan. I don't follow a lot of the developments as closely as I should, but that's not my job, right? So the frustration I think is 
to the, to the point that you raised, it's not just Florida State got left out because this is the last year of the of the four team playoff. It's there were seven things before that, right? So, I, I guess you know, obviously, conference restructuring, which is what I call realignment, is about seven years away before it gets really hectic. I think if you look at the TV deals in those seven years, you know, what, I mean, what, you know, what can the ACC do to solidify its brand? I mean, you, you cover it closely. I mean, what do you think we can do? I love, I just, I love that you ask what the league can do to solidify its brand rather than itself. Right. Because we just saw the expansion. Um, And this is the, this is the truth, right? This is, it's, the answer has not changed. The league must win. The league must next year position a 12 and 0 team that has also beaten like an 11 and 1 team and two of the wins from the 11 and 1 team need to be against a Big 10 and an SEC opponent. Why did Florida State play Mississippi State? I mean, uh Southern Miss week 2. Take the cupcakes off your schedules. Why is North Carolina? And look, I love Mike Mentor. I think what he's done at Campbell has been fantastic. It's awesome. It was really wonderful to hear him talk about the impact of being able to play North Carolina as a program. Take him off the schedule. If the league wants to continue to solidify itself, it has to, and right? So the way that the scheduling continues to change every year with the expansion of the league, the scheduling has to get stronger and then the teams, you know, not to the point that they, you know, the good teams beat the good teams out and then there's no undefeated team left, but like it just, there, there have to be more teams that are better. Goes, I mean, the comment we made it earlier, the statement about Miami and how their the expectations around them as a football program joining the league was higher. Um, Clemson's, got to get on board with NIL, uh, presumably, um, or do something to be the Clemson that everybody hated (laughs) for beating everybody. And apparently, what was it, 70% of the wins between the ACC and the SEC were were in the Atlantic Coast Conference favor? I'm probably exaggerating that percentage, but the number's got to be higher. It's it's, it's win, and and here are the different ways. Well, so let me... So Florida State plays LSU and Florida, right? Beats them both. One with two backup quarterbacks, right? Mm-hmm. And beats the Heisman candidate yeah. and winner, right? But somehow that's not enough. And so that's... One that's, team is not enough. It was not enough when right. it was Florida State the first time. It was not enough when it was Clemson. No, I, and I agree with that. And so the the problem, though, that, that I have is, I guess part of my somewhat cynical nature is the winning will help and it'll go a long way, but when it's crunch time and it's the ACC versus the SEC, what's going to be the differentiating factor? And, you know, this, the conference has seven years to do it before we start to get worried about what's going to if happen. It takes, if it takes more than, I don't know, two, there won't be seven years. Because those buyouts, you're a lawyer. You know what they look like as you get closer to the end date. It well, can't take seven years. Well, so the thing, <laughs> if you look at when the mo- I spent more time than I needed to studying this over the summer. If you look at when the movement comes, it comes about three or so years before those TV deals end, right? Because mm-hmm. you usually have a clause that when you announce you're leaving, you you're pretty much stuck for two years. You can afford a one year buyout, right? Maybe a year and a half, but the ACC's going to be the last of the major. What was it? P4? Is that what we're down to now officially? Almost. It's going to be the last one for the TV deal to get renegotiated. So all the the real crazy stuff's going to happen in about a window of 2028 to about 2033. There will not be nearly as many things like they are now then. I just I think I think pieces will change. And I don't want to say explicitly too much more than that because it's all guess by me. But um, networks can be sold off. Amazon's, <laughs> somebody showed me a picture of the Amazon production trucks for Thursday Night Football. They use eight, the size of the one that is used for like 
your traditional standard primetime ESP game. The money that ha that busts these contract up, contracts up, I don't think necessarily has to come within the conferences. Um, and I'm not saying that Amazon's going to buy Florida State out of the ACC <laughs> if they want them to, but you know what I mean? Like money gets sent in one direction and suddenly that one conference's television deal looks a little bit different than it did two years ago. And I'm not saying it will or it won't. I just think that I don't think things stay exactly as they are for seven years. I just don't think there's any way. I think the ACC, it, it, right? So then the follow-up question is how does the ACC suddenly get that much better, that much faster? Well, part of me thinks is we. it's hard for me to see the kind of money continue to get paid out with the next Big Ten SEC media deals, although it's possible. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not going to speculate on that. I mean, but, I, I, we probably would have said that 10 years ago, too. But that's the thing. That, exactly. It could so go, I agree with you and we're both probably wrong. Right. I'm not I'm not going to predict that. Right. I think, though, that what we're seeing is, and you've heard about this kind of super conference deal where everybody kind of moves up a level and where I, I'm still not 100% clear on the details, and I haven't wanted to delve into that because at, at this point, it, it just it's really like Premier League soccer. I'm not or, caught up on the conspiracy theory. <laughs> no, no, no. I, no, I saw something. It's trying to – so the NCAA basically talked about creating the super conference for kind of – certain levels and differentiating the tiers really clearly all teams that are paying us be a higher than an X dollar amount to NI toward NIL for players. Right. The idea being we're, that this way we don't have to employ the players and the corollary of that is putting on my lawyer hat. We don't have to worry about workers' compensation claims for these people. Okay. And put them on lifetime I medical mean, awards. You know, I, I, certainly the NCAA's involvement is paramount. That's why we're still here. But, um, I think from a competitive advantage standpoint, and there are teams in this league that I've covered this year um, who very much to their credit, these coaches are not like whining about it. They're just like, this is our reality. We don't have the same um, salary cap <laughs> as some of our competitors do. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that is, uh, I mean, that is what it, I mean, we'll just have to see how it plays out. You know, uh, it's, here's kind of, the, I think where we're going with this, and I don't know, it's it's hard to predict, so I don't, I don't really want to make predictions, but I mean, what, when are we just going to rip the amateur label off of this? Uh, and and just start talking about this as a as a professional or semi professional kind of league. Well, I mean, we're not I, because you have. Um, I should know these numbers off the top of my head, but how many football programs in Power Five, and how many of those would actually become like semi professional if it ever happened, or when it happens? It's it's like I don't know thirty percent, forty. It's not every team and it's not every team in the power, however many five still for another two months, two weeks, month. It's, and so I don't think that's, I don't think amateurism is going away. It's just the teams that headline most conversations would be in a different tier of it in theory, if these things happened. But you have, you know, and I think the thing too, to, to, to almost like defend player opportunity here a little bit, how do you then legislate or control players right now who are coming from the CAA or North Dakota State in the big sky or, you know, pretty legitimate non-Power 5 programs as transfers, transferring into these conferences playing in the SEC, playing in the ACC for, you know, a dream team to some of these guys who didn't get these offers out of high school. What would ripping the amateur label off do to impact athletes who right now are really in a great opportunity to 
showcase themselves, even if they weren't ready when they were 18 or 19 years old. So that's another question that would just have to be addressed in the same way. And I don't, I'm not saying that should prevent the whole thing from happening, but it's a piece of the conversation, right? Like, yeah, the NIL piece, but then if, if you recategorized or restructured high level college football, how could you do it in a way that doesn't become prohibitive, prohibitive toward these men who are kind of in between or going to be conference player of the year and then transfer and, and go to Texas A&M and get to play in the SEC. Well, and, and can you continue to preserve their rights, which is what this whole thing's been about, if you make those changes? I would like for my team to be in a conference and in a level where they can win and be competitive, and that would be fantastic. But <laughs> – Apparently, I'm I'm 40 years behind the eight ball here. No, nobody, everybody wants to be Maryland. Uh, however, here's what I was referring to with the super conferences. This is from an article from JD Supra, uh, <clears throat> dated December well, today. Uh, NCAA President Charlie Baker recently proposed rule changes that would transform how college athletics have operated since its inception. His proposal would allow D1 schools for the first time to pay their athletes in ways not tied to educational resources, parentheses, in a form other than academic scholarships, close parentheses, period, full stop, new paragraph. I used to dictate a lot of letters. So, um, that that's what I was referring to with the super conferences. And that goes back in all the divisions that you're talking about. And I guess we're going to have this weird Hoosiers kind of movie come out of this eventually, you know, where I'll have to get caught up. You've not seen Hoosiers. Oh, I don't watch a lot of movies. This is like, I just don't have the attention span. Ah, okay. Well that, that hurts my soul. I have seen Hitch. Roughly 400 times. It's my favorite movie. It's the best movie that's ever been made. I'm a connoisseur of fine cinema. Um, <laughs> You're like, I'm ready to end the podcast now. Uh, uh, I, so uh, I'm just thinking about, I have a raging bull poster. I was in, in fact office. watching Hitch when Will Smith smacked Chris Rock. Is that, it, remind me what that one's about. I don't think I've seen it. Uh, dating coach. Yeah. Okay. I remember the previews. I think when it, okay. Yeah. I remember that one. All right. Kevin I Diggs. got you. <laughs> I, before he became a meme, I am not promising you that I will commit to watching that movie. Not saying you have to. Okay. If you want to live it poorly, that's your choice. Hey, I'm, I'm comfortable with my movie choices. Uh, other decisions I've made, maybe not so much, but I will. Oh, let's talk about Manny Diaz. You want to? Yes. All right. <laughs> uh, Manny Diaz. I'm excited. I think it's great hire. Uh, I think he's going to bring a lot to the school. There was some rumor that Trooper Taylor was leaving. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. Jack Moore pulled his name back out of the portal. Uh, Manny Mania, in effect. What are your thoughts on the Diaz hire? I, I think I think it's a good hire. You know, I I. Whenever the AM job came open, um, inevitably, I kind of was like, oh, well, if they talk to Mike Elko, I imagine he would take it unless Duke can like miraculously match their offer, which just didn't seem plausible because um, Duke's got money, but Texas has oil. Um, and it's like, I've heard everything there is to hear and will we'll forever probably wonder about some of the exit details, right? Um, in terms of tone and relationship, but um, I don't know a person alive who would turn that down. And so, Elgo goes and my immediate thought was like, is there a no brainer higher? And there really wasn't. And so I think, I think Manny Diaz, you know, the Miami thing was like, I, I get how it went the way that it did for him because it's Miami, but it's not like he had a 30% win percentage down there. And it, he was a first time head coach and he's obviously been pretty miraculous at Penn state. So I think I like it. I think I like it uh, until proven otherwise. I think you, t- you said it, Jack was more 
immediately hopping right back out of the portal says a whole lot about his reception among the players. I hope Trooper Taylor's not leaving. He's fantastic. Um, unless he got like his dream job somewhere else, in which case I'd be very happy for him. But like, I really hope he stays and continues into his third tenure now <laughs> um, after the bowl game. He, here is my thought on on Manny Diaz and coaches leaving. I, I do want to say, though, I don't think the A&M job is as great as people make it out know. to be. I, I, so my dad when, and I got in an argument about it. I was like, "You're gonna hop up out. You're gonna hop out of the cushiest king size bed in America to jump onto to a flaming hot cast iron skillet." It's it's a hot mess in A and M and historic. Well, okay, I, I just don't think that's that great of a job. I'm glad you and I agree. There. I'm sure Kevin Sumlin would agree. I thought, well, and I mean, they when they pay that much money to get rid of someone, I don't think you should feel confident about the room you're walking into. Unless they have suddenly had a miraculous change of heart, I agree. Um, I had this conversation with someone recently. I said, people don't really change. They just hopefully learn to moderate their worst behavioral instincts. And maybe they have. I don't know. But at the same time, like if you're a college football coach and you have coached at Texas A&M, you coached in the SEC, that's the dream. I don't know. I mean, coaches are people too, lest, lest anyone forget. And yeah, those people should have, you know, compassion for those around them and, and things like that. But like, it's not, no, I think it's, I think it's a scary job to walk into. I also would have taken it if I was in his position. Here is, you mentioned Trooper Taylor leaving. There was a report from like Aggies 247 or something. And then there were some people closer to the Duke program who have said, he hasn't accepted anything. Nina King put out a tweet today saying Trooper is still the interim head coach and he's going to coach in the Birmingham Bowl. I haven't seen anything official. And as we all learned from the Gasparilla Bowl and the Sun Bowl and everything else that happened with bowl season and that fiasco, wait till it's official. I will say, though, and I don't want Trooper to leave. I want him to stay. I, I just finished reading Seneca's letters. Uh, this is from letter, I believe, 91. Uh, and we should keep in mind that things do change. And this was a letter about a city that had fallen suddenly and unexpectedly. And he wrote and said, so it is only right that we should bear the overthrow of cities with resignation. They stand just to fall. Coaches come to schools just to leave eventually. Uh, let's just hope they leave the right way and they leave something good behind. But I do hope Trooper stays. Uh, on the Diaz hire, I think, I want to get your thoughts on Miami because we've talked a lot about Miami and about how it's just been down. It's been down since I think I was in law school, just back 05 to 08. It's been a while, been a minute. I mean, Diaz was doing at or better than what you were getting from my, and it's not like Cristobal has done better since he came there, right? Mario has won. Um, I, I believe it's all about the Aggies, baby. I believe his win this year against Texas A&M, and and somebody fact checked me because I'm 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 trying to remember this. I think it was bigger than at the again at the time, right? Because A&M was really good to start the season, which makes the Jimbo situation funnier. But I think that that was a bigger win um, than much of what I can remember when when Manny was in Miami. Yeah. I wish So I worked this year with Orlando Franklin who played in Miami and George Sedano, who is a Miami guy through and through, um, although he went to FIU and I wish I had one of them here to be like, can I vote a friend? <laughs> what was Manny well, Diaz's biggest hot, like win? During no, the not disputing that, but going through Cristobal's records, uh, yeah. record, since he's been at Miami, five and seven and seven and five should have been eight and four, but he doesn't know how to take a knee. So, which justice for the 2015 Halloween night? Oh, one of the most endurance. miraculous things I've ever seen in person. You were there. Oh, uh, uh, conspiracy. Nobody listened when I said I've covered Duke, did they? Conspiracy theory. It hits. It hits. I'm just saying you were there when that happened. But. Oh. My only you, point is, you know, one of the special teams assistants for that, um, that play actually ended up on Duke's coaching staff last year. He's no longer true. with them, but he was, he came back. Really? 
He was oh. a defensive defensive um, analyst last year for them. I had John Latina on the podcast a couple of years ago, and he talked about that. And he said that the the officials didn't overturn the call because they didn't think they'd get out of the stadium alive, which was odd because there's not normally a, there's not normally a lot of people in Wallace Wade. But I I think he was on to anyway, that was handled badly. But you know we're on what day two or so of the the Diaz era, so maybe it's all going to be perfect and happy, right? Hope springs eternal. Good. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm really excited for the hire. I, I don't. I'm interested to see too, and and this is actually a question that I would. I hope you can like poll your listeners or something, but. What is Duke fans football expectation now? Because obviously look how miraculously it's changed in the last two seasons. My friend, a friend of mine, Rebecca Fiorentino, she worked for Duke athletics for eight years. She was the um, in arena women's basketball reporter at one point. Um, and she still really loves Duke. Um, and she was like the first person to text me. <laughs> um, and, and, and I said, look, imagine you're Nina King, your first hire your first hire for a football coach replacing David Cutcliffe goes so well that a freaking mega SEC program comes and steals him away in the middle of the night. That's huge, man. Like, so where are expectations now? That's what I'm most interested to see in the off season and season to come. Um, For this season, I will say, it's going to be hard to know for a while. We got to see how the roster is going to shake out. But I think most Duke fans want to be back where we're going bowling every year. Beyond that, I think we'll take anything as a plus. I think Manny Diaz is sitting right where y'all want to start, and I think he will. I I hope Diaz does well. Uh, I just what I think he will. I think, yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. So are you covering any bowl games this year? And if so, what are they? Yes to bowl games, no to current ACC. Um, I have Texas Tech and Cal um, Saturday the 16th. You said no ACC. I said current ACC. (laughs) Word choice matters. It's what I do for a living. (laughs) And I said it on purpose because no current ACC teams. I have Texas Tech and Cal. Saturday, December 16th at 9.15, 9, 9 o'clock p.m. Um, from the beautiful Shreveport, Louisiana. I've <laughs> never visited. Um, we'll see how it goes. I think it's supposed to rain, but both teams are run heavy offenses, so it shouldn't impact what I think is going to be competitive anyway. Um, so excited for, for the competitive nature that I really hope comes from that one. Um, Texas Tech is really excited. They have a lot of significant players who are staying and coming back. So um, I think it's always great when that happens in bowl games. Um, and yes, Cal, I get the first first ACC introduction <laughs> to the Golden Bears. So we'll see. Um, and I have the Hawaii Bowl, uh, December 23rd, 10.30 p.m. Coming at you live from Honolulu. Coastal Carolina will be making the longest trip in the country for bowl season. Um, and San Jose State is their opponent. That's a hike for the Chanticleers. It's a long way. It It is, yeah. Um, it's a nine-hour flight for me from Atlanta. So add two and a half to that at least. Now, if you meet Marshawn Lynch at the bowl game, will you introduce him or refer to him as a future ACC legend? Fantastic question. I will email Jim Phillips tomorrow and ask him if I should. So Marilyn, you were kind enough to come on here. You know, I didn't even get into asking you about your work on the sidelines when you are reporting because we've been going for about an hour and a half. And I know you probably have other things that you would like to do. Uh, So I'm going to give you an, an open mic. So yes, open mic on sideline. I think that's it. It's um... no, no, no. Anything you get an open mic on anything. Doesn't have to be sidelines. You get an open mic on anything you want to talk about. No pressure. It's kind of a big deal part of the podcast. Anything? Anything. If you want to talk about Hitch, knock yourself out. 
Hitch is the best movie that's ever been made. <laughs> and that's because it is, it is suspenseful. It's a little action packed. They get on jet skis at one point. Um, even Mendez is in the movie, which reason alone to watch it, I would argue. Will Smith is charming. He doesn't slap anybody. In fact, he gets smacked. Um, it is a romance and a comedy. Nobody I've ever met has been able to do any of the following. Tell me if it's a movie made for men or women. It's both. Tell me if it's a comedy or a romance more. Nobody can, can really answer the question. It's it's the best it's the best of every world. I have polled the internet as to who the best character is. And there's another hung jury because the, the options are simply too abundant. And you can watch it every day for the rest of your life and never get sick of it. Have you seen the Will Smith movie, I Am Legend? Maybe. He was very good. It's the, it's the like, ro is it robots? That is iRobot. Oh, that's I am legend i haven't i ever i can see the cover i think but no i'm not like a will smith mega fan it's just it's my favorite movie uh i robot not remotely good <laughs> no, it not is. very good the the short collection of stories that, that was based on very good by isaac asimov okay. which the show foundation on apple is also based on a series of asimov novels i'm getting into some real heavy nerd stuff i apologize but i am legend is a it they you've got to watch it with the alternate watch ending. It on the way to hawaii I'm gonna you'll have time make sure you watch it with the alternate ending the one that the studio cut which made it make sense the I'm way that, have that on delta uh, that's well obviously but the um the ending that they put on there was done in response to test audiences and it really ruined what had been a really good movie and you're like what's happened here you know i mean what is going on but he is phenomenal i'm probably the test audience member i voted for the ending no one likes <laughs> i'm just telling you he is phenomenal in that movie it's very very good i will i will I, put it on the list of movies that i make when i tell people i'm going to watch the recommendations but never do well, that's okay. You know, it it's happens. not personal. It's just me. I'm the problem. Well, well, that's a Taylor Swift reference, right? Not a Swiftie. Um, okay. All right. Well, my daughter is, and my wife is, so I'm trying. Oh, to I know. Okay, I get how you got there. I I remembered that song. Okay, no, it was not a Taylor Swift reference. Um, whoops. Okay. Uh, well, I was sort of proud of myself for a moment that I got it. I'm going to keep that moment of pride. That I had. You should. I'm gonna keep that. You, uh, you. There is now on the record. You are more of a Swifty than me, which is clearing a very low non-existent bar. But you can still hold on to that. I, I will, I will take that. Uh, and you know, I will run with it and do whatever I can with it. Or something. So <laughs> somebody will validate you. It's just not me. It, I'm not. I'm not seeking validation. Believe me. If I wanted validation, I don't think a Duke football podcast. With a Taylor Swift reference is where you would go. Look, let me tell you, this has been wide ranging. We referenced Seneca's yeah. letters. Okay. We referenced uh, Isaac Asimov. Uh, we've referenced Taylor Swift. I think uh, that was all you, honestly. I don't think I had anything to do with any of it. Well, you led me there, is what I'm saying. I, okay. All right. I wouldn't have got into the Will Smith stuff had you not mentioned Hitch. So, it's my favorite movie. And, and it's. Um, yeah, that's no, it's, that's the worst open mic that could have ever existed. I should have talked about something meaningful, but oh well. Well, if it's meaningful to you, right? So there's that. It was the easy, it was the first thing that you mentioned it, and I was like, yeah, we'll go with that. Well, like Rick said in Casablanca, we'll always have Paris, we'll always have Hitch. So. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to the podcast. You know where to find us. Go to our website, BullCityCoordinators.com. we got some more interviews lining up, lined up. We are going to talk to a Troy Beat writer soon to bring you up to speed on the Birmingham Bowl. We'll get you ready, and we are going to start the irate Gilio ACC conference. We're going to have some conference lo loyalty, though, to make up for FSU's unjust snubbery. 
and out of the college football playoff. It was it was terrible. It was garbage. It was awful. We will we will rally behind the Seminoles. And on that, we will also say, let's win in the bowl game. I'm going to be there in Birmingham. I'm looking forward to it. And as always, go Duke. <laughs>